Welcome to Life in the Rock. We're committed to sharing with others the challenges and joys that accompany our being a part of God's family. It's our goal to offer relevant and thought-provoking material on today's issues. Thank you for joining us. Well, we are beginning a new series today entitled Two Ministers Talking, and I'm delighted to have as our first guest Stephen McFadden, who preaches for the Fifth and Pine Church of Christ in Rector, Arkansas. And for those of you who do not know where Rector is, if you will go to the far northeast corner of the state, you will find the city of Rector. Stephen, we're glad that you're here with us today, uh, and how are things going for you? Hey, Keith. I'm excited to be here with you, and things are going great. That's great. So I know a lot of the people here uh, miss you and, and uh, think a lot about you and watch you and continue to follow you on Facebook. And um, But tell us how things are going for you, how Cassie and the kids are doing, and uh, just how life is right now. Yeah, well, first of all, um, I'm missing everyone there, too, Cassie and I, and we, we really miss miss everybody. Things are going well for us. Uh, we have we have three kids currently one on the way and and that'll be just a couple months june 7th number is our four number four right yeah number four okay so so we're excited about that uh, things are things are going well in that regard so that's great how's uh, uh how is uh the quarantine going with three little ones in the house it's always exciting I'm sure. And loud. But <laughs> surely not loud. <laughs> <laughs> but but it is it's good. Uh, at least at least we're getting to enjoy some more quality time together. So that's that's kind good. Of, that's kind of nice if you you can look at the silver silver lining, I guess. Yep. So, so how's the transition been for you from youth ministry into uh, preaching ministry? Well, it's, I think it's, it's going well. It's funny because when I started, um, going to college, I never would have thought, well, first of all, I never would have thought I'd been in ministry. And I think that happens a lot to, to ministers. I'm um, mm-hmm. starting out. They, it's not something that they really plan necessarily planned on doing from the beginning, but, and I guess my story is similar in that regard. Mm-hmm. I, I never, I wasn't planning on as, as a matter of fact, I was planning on, as you know, I was planning on being a pilot right? and that didn't work out thankfully. And, um, and I got into youth ministry then, but at the time I was traveling some for Art Smith, going to these smaller congregations and I would get physically sick. I was so nervous Mm. to stand up in front of a lot of times use a smaller crowd, you know, 20, 20 people, you know, know, maybe 40. I would be so nervous. And I never thought that, uh, preaching would be something I'd be comfortable with at all. Right. Um, that's interesting to hear you say that because I don't ever remember seeing you nervous. Well, (laughs) at that point, I mean, I guess I fought through some of that. Um, by the time I, became a youth minister. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I was still nervous. I was, but I think I, I found ways to deal with it mm-hmm. a little more. Okay. And eventually over time, um, I just wasn't, and just got to where I was more comfortable with it. And, um, and I guess just sticking with it and, 
it, it, it caused me, it made me become more comfortable with it. Either I was right. going to become more comfortable with it or I wasn't going to be able to do it. Right. Know? So, right. So, um, I found, uh, I found a way, found a way and, um, it's been, it definitely has been a blessing for us. So no, I would not have expected to be a full, uh, full-time pulpit minister when I was in college or coming out of college, you know? Right. Um, but it's, it's, it's amazing how, how things change and, and God, God works in us. And, uh, and so I, I definitely, I definitely know it was him that's, that's allowed me to do this. Definitely. So I can remember, uh, the first time that you and I, uh, worked together, I can remember, uh, when we were looking for a youth minister at North Heights in Batesville. And I can remember the night that, uh, we had a conference call between, uh, all of our elders and you and myself. I remember standing in Lindsay's granny's driveway in Newport, Arkansas, and we were on that conference call together that evening. And I remember um, that that first initial uh, conversation that we had. Uh, we were really wanting you to to come and and work at North Heights, and I'm so glad that you did. And um, and moving on beyond that, even even here at Winsong, glad that you were able to to come and, and work here and and have an impact on the people here. One of the things that uh, I always appreciate about you is your thoughtfulness with regard to Scripture and and what um, you know what the writers of uh, of Scripture are trying to say or get across. And uh, I know that one of those things that we've talked about most recently deals with with Paul and and the issues of, uh, of faith and works and um, you know have you thought more about that uh, but about that concept from what we've talked about previously yeah I think it's this is an extremely interesting topic to me because I feel like our religious culture is kind of lost when it comes to this subject of faith and works mm. because I feel like many are taking just a small piece of the puzzle and then trying to make that the whole puzzle, if that makes any okay. sense. Yeah. So for instance, Paul, when he's dealing with this topic of faith and works, he's often combating these old covenant mindsets that are trying to creep into the new covenant salvation. And there's these people trying to force on the Gentiles that they need to be more Jewish if they want to be pleasing to God, mm -hmm. or they need to keep these certain laws if they want to please God and have a hope for salvation. Mm. And so he's battling that. He's battling that mindset and that threat to the church. And so, yes, he is teaching on new covenant salvation and saying, look, this, you can't do this on your own. This isn't right. That's the reason the old law didn't work in the first place was for you know for mankind because mankind couldn't keep it. We're not righteous enough, mm. and so that's what we see his focus often because of the threat that he's having to to deal with. And so we see him talk talking about that side of faith and works because he's he's kind of I like to think that Paul's kind of teaching on this in a big picture covenantal sort of way right 
in saying that, um, in saying that, you know, we're saved by God's grace and we're not achieving, you know, like, like salvation is not a result of our works. We're not Mm -hmm. achieving it with what we do. However, James, it seems like there's some conflict because James in James chapter two says that we are justified by works. Right. And if, you know, if, if you've made Paul's teachings, um, if you've taken his teachings kind of outside of the, the context that, that he's teaching in, and you've made that the full picture of how faith and works operate, you know, I can see how, how you might struggle with what James says. Yep. But one thing that's interesting about that, that, you know, word justified that James uses is, is that means to be proclaimed righteous. Right. Not necessarily so, that you're earning your righteousness. He's saying you're proclaimed righteousness by your work, righteous by your works. And it's God that does the pro, proclaiming, obviously. So in, in James 2, verse 17, he says, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And so if I'm hearing you right, there's there's a lot of confusion maybe out there on the part of some that, that would say, well, why does James put such an emphasis on works when Paul seems to say back in Ephesians 2 that it's not works uh, that result in our uh, salvation, but rather it's the gift of God. Uh, so is that what I'm hearing you say as far as the, the confusion? Yeah, because it seems like there's tension there, and I think a lot of that has to do with um, understanding what Paul really means when he says works. And okay. Because often when Paul deals with this idea of works, he's really talking about works of the law. Gotcha. Um, and, and this idea of that those works achieve something when it comes to righteousness that is acceptable by God. And so, and we actually see it in other places, like in Romans, he actually spells it out when he's talking about this same topic and he says works of the law. Mm. And, um, and I think that's kind of what Paul has in mind because that's the exact threat that he's addressing. Yeah. These, these people saying that. So that, that, that makes a lot of sense to me because uh, when you look at, particularly Ephesians, you can see that Paul is writing to Gentiles who uh, seem to be um, feeling as though they're oppressed because the Jews are requiring them to do things that are outside of the law of Christ, but rather within uh, the the old covenant, the old law. It's similar to what Paul has to say to the church in Galatia, but but back in Ephesians, you can see it over and over, and 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 Paul, uh, as he's talking about those uh, th- those issues regarding salvation, and that it's the grace of God, it's the gift of God that ushers in our salvation. It's not anything that we've done on our own. Then he goes on after that in chapter two to talk about how Gentiles were far off. Uh, they're called the uncircumcision by those of the circumcision. And so that, that, that's really interesting to me, the, the take that you have on this, because I, I, think, I think you're hitting it right on the head. And Yeah, yeah. I, so we see that James is really coming at it from one perspective, like what is our response as human beings in, in this new covenant salvation, where Paul is really talking about, okay, what's the mechanism of salvation? Mm. Like what causes what is it when you when you strip everything away 
and 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 say, okay, what causes salvation? Well, it's the grace of God that causes salvation. And, and James, then on the other side, says, but we do have we do have responsibilities, and we do have uh, things we should be doing. And I feel like while they're talking about it on on two different sides of the of the same coin, mm-hmm. Jesus teaches about it. Um, from both sides in one account in particular that I have in mind, and that's in Luke chapter 8, um, where we see the this woman that has come to Jesus for healing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it really, it really touches on all of it when you break down this account. And so here's this lady that has been pursuing, um, pursuing a pursuing healing for herself Mm -hmm. to be healed. And she has exhausted her resources at this point. So she's been spending, she spent all of her money, um, and, and chasing this healing by, by going to doctors and and Mm -hmm. trying to receive that healing. Mm -hmm. And then she, she recognizes, she realizes, you know, at some point that, Jesus is her only hope. Yes. And so she pursues him. Um, and in this account, Jesus is traveling somewhere else. And there is a crowd of people that are just, you know, pressing in on him. Um, he's completely surrounded by people. And so she, she fights through this crowd and touches the hem of his garment because mm. she, you know, she believes if she can touch the hem of his garment that she'll be healed. Mm-hmm. And so that's what she does. And, you know, at the end of that, that account, you know, Jesus says, someone touched, you know, someone touched me. Mm-hmm. And his disciples are, are saying, you know, that Jesus, there's people all around you. Of course, people have touched you. But he's talking about that, you know, that he perceived that that power left him. But when the woman came forward and admitted to you know, that she had, she had touched him, that she came for healing. I think his response, Jesus's response to her really, uh, really is, um, astounding because he says in verse 48, daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace. Hmm. And I think that's interesting that Jesus says her faith made her well, Mm -hmm. because first of all, if you were to strip everything away and then kind of look at this like Paul is dealing with this idea of new covenant salvation. What is it that actually healed her? Well, it was God that actually healed her. Right. It was the grace. It was the grace of God that healed her. She couldn't do it. She's already pursued it. And we see that she's exhausted her resources trying to, to obtain this healing. But power, power had gone out of Jesus. Uh, and that's, right. that's, what brought the healing yeah so the grace of god the power of god yes okay yet jesus says it was her faith Mm. that healed her Mm -hmm. and i think that's interesting because if and this is what our religious culture is trying to do today is is separate faith and works as much as possible and just make faith about mere belief or something Mm -hmm. and when i don't think that that Jesus teaches that, and I don't think that the New Testament uh, writers are teaching that, because if it was her faith that made her well, then 
if it was just mere belief, then why wouldn't she have been healed long before she traveled to find Jesus and she fought through the crowd yeah. to contact his garment? Right, her faith making her fight the crowd to try and get to him, to try and touch the hem of his garment. Uh, right. Surely that faith, faith, if it was just simply the faith, then surely she would have been made well prior to touching the hem of his garment. Right, the moment she believed. Yeah. Um, yeah. But instead, I think Jesus is teaching that faith is bigger than just belief. Faith is also what it causes us to do. Mm. And so, and that's what James is saying in James chapter 2. Okay. Is that he says Abraham's faith was made complete by his works. Okay. And so, I think that we're seeing in this account, in this one account, both sides of of what Paul is teaching about faith and works and New Covenant salvation and what James is teaching about in faith, works, and New Covenant salvation all in one. Um, and, and I think, I find, I don't know, I just find that super interesting and astounding to me. Um, and it's been kind of life-changing for me because, you know, everything that Jesus did was so purposeful and intentional. Right. And you you can tell that he's that he's teaching on this this idea of how faith and works operate together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's uh, that's something that I haven't I, I haven't really uh, thought much about is the differences. Now, certainly, I've, I've thought about the way that James, you know, uh, tells us that our our faith alone. Uh, if that's all we have is dead, and certainly our faith ought to be driving us to work and, and to do good deeds, um, which is, seems to be the context there of, of James 2. Um, but I haven't really thought in terms of the differences between the way James approaches faith and works and the way that Paul does. Uh, you know, I, I know that Paul says, as I said a moment ago, that Ephesians 2, he, he says, you know, it's not anything that we do, but rather this is a gift of God. But... Um, Interestingly enough, in that same in that same passage, it's verse ten where Paul says that we're the we're the workmanship of God, and and that God has prepared good works that we should do. Yeah, uh, and so exactly. even even in the context of of Paul saying, yeah, okay, you're saved by grace through faith, not anything that you're doing, but yet he says, okay, God wants you to go and do. And and so that's that's very interesting to me, and I, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts with us today. Well, Stephen, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, I hope that you and your family stay safe during this time of self quarantining, uh, and know that we're all praying for you and your ministry. Thanks, Keith. I hope the same for y'all. Uh, let everybody know that we said hi. We're missing them. Sure will. You've been listening to Life in the Rock. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's conversation. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.